Welcome to the Biz Bros Podcast. My name is Kyle Nelson. I have my co-host here, Eli Libby. And uh, we've got a really special guest today we're really excited about. Uh, today's guest is Jennifer Catrulia. She's a partner at Centrum Cooperman and is considered a pioneer of outsourced virtual CFOs, advisory, and accounting services space. She's credited with helping hundreds of companies in all phases of growth implemented best practices and position themselves for profitable and successful ROI at exit. Nationally recognized strategic and operations advisor for high growth technology, service-based healthcare companies who are committed to choosing to achieve results over making excuses. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Welcome to the show. We are very Thanks excited. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. That absolutely. was quite the intro. Yeah, it really was. Amazing with the experiences you have and what you can do. And I know you're known as a power connector and all yeah. this cool stuff. So we're looking really forward to diving into it. Uh, the topic today for our listeners is going to be, um, you know, ways to find profit and efficiency leaks in a company and dramatically improve performance. I'm excited. I think we're going to learn a lot. From yeah, that. I can't wait. So before we dive in, I know that that was a, a pretty broad intro, but um, kind of break down your background a little bit for the listeners. Sure. Uh, and thank you. That was, that was very nice. And i um, so excited to be here. I, by way of background, I um, started out in, in audit. So I have accounting background, like, like many, um, but I also come from an entrepreneurial family and just have a love of business and scaling companies. And, and so um, for me, I decided um, after several years in audit and doing tax and really being on the end of receiving people's information after the year was over, I just um, continued to say, gosh, if I could work with these clients, year round, um, I'm sure I could add value and help them achieve more, not have the messes I'm getting at year end, and uh, really just want to be in the thick of it and roll up my sleeves and help. So um, in 2004, I started a CPA firm dedicated to the outsourced or fractional services, working with small businesses and, and increasingly some mid-market as well, but really love the entrepreneurial space, um, uh, venture capital, and, and really where, where people are, are moving and, and feeling pressured but excited. Right. And uh, so at Sitchin so. Cooperman, I co-lead our outsourcing division. Awesome. Wow. That's awesome. That is, you're, you're filling a big gap. Um, so could you place. tell us a little bit about, um, you know, outsourcing a, an accountant, a bookkeeper, um, or a CFO? I feel like that's, it's mm -hmm. not a new thing, but it's, I think, a foreign for a lot of people to, yeah. to do that. Um, and I know you were kind of one of the pioneers of doing that. How did that kind of get started? Where did the kind of passion come from in like helping companies kind of get in the mindset of, look, you can outsource this service to us yep. instead of having someone in-house, like yep. the trust factor, making sure that you are an extension of their team rather than mm -hmm. just some service provider. Sure. Every entrepreneur um, or most feel like um, they have to create that department from scratch and that right. everyone is different, but that's not what they went into business for. So one of the things I knew is that um, from a control standpoint, from efficiency, cost, that when you can create something that is repeatable, right. that I could provide that to businesses, take the pressure off of their plate of doing things they weren't geared to do, and they could focus on growing their business. Very cool. That is really cool. I think that is um, something that is hard to to, um, to outsource, to feel like you outsource because it is such a, right. uh, a kind of a private thing. So I think it's amazing that you've bridged that gap between the founders and what you're doing. So 
That's amazing. Yeah, I, I think a lot that. of entrepreneurs and founders, they keep their numbers very yeah. secretive. Yeah, that's, that was my thought as well. <laughs> they don't want to tell mm-hmm. people really what they're making or really mm-hmm. what their company size is, whether it's bigger or smaller than what most people think. Yeah. Um, it's cool to be able to have the trust factor that you guys have created. Yeah, absolutely. So when you come into a company, well, right before we dive into the topic, when you come in, they are outsourced. What are kind of some of the first steps that you take when kind of doing, I guess you'd call it like an audit and see if you are a good fit for them. What are some of the first steps that you take while looking into a company? So we're going to just uh, go through the financials that they do have, analyze, uh, look for, um, is, is it meaningful? Are they getting information they need? And if not, how do we get it to that point? Because financial transparency is going to be one of the things that guides right. the business and, and their scorecard. Um, so we'll do that. And we'll also make sure, uh, get a sense of how the company is running as far as staffing technology, each of the key areas of the business and look for way, um, you know, easy finds as far as where we could drive efficiency and, and, uh, save money or, or speed growth. That's per, I think that dives right into the, the main topic. That absolutely does. Um, you, I know you talk a lot about finding these small leaks or even probably large leaks that you try to patch up with companies mm-hmm. in terms of efficiency and profit. Yep. Could you kind of go over kind of an, an overview of how that can help improve performance, but specifically what are some of those common leaks that you see and mm-hmm. what are some big ones that most people are like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was a, a yeah. thing. I could save so much money or become more efficiency efficient through my company. Mm-hmm. Right. So certainly the top two areas in a broad sense are, are um, the people and the technology. So from a people standpoint, first of all, many owners, once they start um, their business, they really feel like they are supposed to be everything. So poor leadership in the sense that you try to be all things when you shouldn't. Right. And that goes back to the way we kind of opened with um, find the right places you should outsource as well or, or partner. Um, and then having team positions that are not filled, staffing positions that are not taking weight off of, of your plate or uh, B and C level support that isn't helping to get the company there. And it can actually be a drag on your day. So right. people getting that buttoned up is huge. And secondly, technology, um, it, even simple solutions as you get out of the gate versus manual steps, re- redundancies, um, redundant steps, and, and anything that you have to do um, that could be automated. Um, sometimes just that little bit of investment in tweaking um, can really make that, that huge difference. So, uh, and I guess the third one really is, um, tactics, tactics over strategy. If you don't have a plan that you're executing on, right. you're just running every day without really any sense of where you're trying to go. Um, and, and it's very difficult to accomplish anything. Got it. Wow. I, I kind of feel like, um, a lot of, a lot of, of our listeners, and I know we've personally gone through this is being an entrepreneur, you want to wear all hats because you want your fingers and everything to make sure things are operated correctly. And I think a lot of a lot of business owners fear handing over and delegating uh, those tasks. Um, and I think some of them have a problem with saying, you're telling me I can become more profitable by hiring people. I'm putting a, you know, a salary out yeah. there. How, how does that transact? Um, co- what's the most common thing you hear uh, in terms of kind of when, when, when you tell people an entrepreneur, because I think a lot of people, this could really touch home, like you need to let go and just kind of trust and find the right team. How do, how do you guys usually kind of go across that? And how, what's the like reception you usually get from business owners? Um, I would say the top couple are, I need to keep things very lean because I'm not that big yet. Hmm. And um, also that I don't have enough time. 
to, to do these other things and to do these best practices. And so without those things, I feel a couple of things are true. First of all, unless you are in a position to level up to the next tier for your business and you're surrounding yourselves with those people and practices and, um, and pushing, um, you won't get there. <laughs> so, um, it, keeping things status quo, isn't going to move the business forward and you're, you're building a job for yourself versus your company. Um, and the second thing would be that I don't have enough time, but ultimately you don't have enough time to continue to do things the way you're doing them. So, um, it becomes that incremental shift, you know, the hour a day earlier or the, the discipline of making that happen. It's a conscious decision about whether you're going to actually move your company forward or again, continue to create a, a job where you're paying yourself. What I love about what you're saying is it's kind of a, almost like a kind of a consulting role that you're doing more than just a CFO role. But what you're doing is your foundation and you're backing it up with data and numbers right. and showing it to them. That, that speaks, <laughs> speaks everything. Uh, when you see the numbers and you can prove it to them like that, you can hire a consultant, you can do these courses, whatever people are doing, but they're not backing it with numbers with you being in the business, doing it's the like audit. It's like wash and repeat. Um, it's so cool. A lot of consultants I love out there that. wash and repeat and they think mm -hmm. it works for every organization and it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of want to actually take it back and I don't mean to go sidetracked, but you talked about, which we, we talk about personally and on our podcast a lot about taking your company to that next tier. Mm -hmm. You're always wondering like, what is that we need to do to get here? What is it we need to do to get there? And you talked about having that room filled with the right people. Could you kind of go more into, you know, what people, what business owners should be looking at to like really try to reach that next tier of business, whatever that may be, and kind of what type of players on the team they should be looking for? Sure. I, I think, you know, there's a, there's a quote that says, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I really think it begins with that. I always look for who are the people in my life who are going to challenge me, mm. especially on the business front, um, the networking that I'm doing, the organizations I'm part of, are they going to just maintain the level where I am today? Or are they going to push me to get to a next place to where I feel a little bit overwhelmed and a little bit uncomfortable and I have to, to step up to get there. Um, I think any moment, you're not feeling that way is, is a lost period of time in, in your day. Um, so that's where I would begin. Um, first so, steps. I, yes. We're, we're in the past year, we've been really feeling that like, mm -hmm. okay, time to like hire up yep. as they say, not that we've hired down, but you need to hire up. It's yep. so important. Exactly. You got to throw the ego out the window yep. and say, look, this is for the better of the organization. And in the long run, you know, the better yep. for and business incurring, growth. Incurring and growth. Yeah. yeah. Do you work with a lot of companies that <clears throat> are going through an acquisition or that might be approaching an acquisition and kind of buttoning them up, getting them ready? Some of the past experiences that, I, that I've had is a company looks glamorous from the front mm. and you're, you're seeing it from the front end. But as soon as you open the hood, you start to see the little leaks in, <laughs> yeah, the, in yeah. the lines there. Do you work with any companies like that or is that, is that something you've had experience with? Absolutely. It's actually part of what I love. I always like to maintain the... the um, thought about a three years and out any client I'm working with. And some of them may be more, uh, more imminent, <laughs> but I, I, I want the mindset of a client who is thinking about exit. And when I'm working with clients who are that way, absolutely right. The, um, they know due diligence will come. They know that the stress test of moving a company toward the acquisition and then post transaction will come, but still somehow, um, it's, it feels like life as usual and that it won't actually be that grueling, but it is. <laughs> so, um, well before an acquisition is, is 
even a thing or even planned and, and on the timeline, it's important to start to put the company through that drill. Yeah, we've talked about about mm-hmm. you know what is it that our goal is with our business? Is it mm-hmm. three to five years out, but five to ten years out? Do we want to be? Do we want to exit through a you know an acquisition? Do we want to hand it over to a management team? You know what do we want to do? And the number one thing that scares me is the thought of due diligence. That like because <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you you know you think you're the you think you know your business better yep. than anybody, but then when they open up the hood, it's like yeah, look what's going on here. This needs mm-hmm. to be fixed. Wow. Is, is, and I think about that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 please, please. Well, I think about that because um, anything that wouldn't go through due diligence successfully today is potentially an efficiency or profitability link uh, leak. So I think about that, even if it is 10 years out, right. anything that's not really with that mindset today is potentially an ROI drag. And so I like to look at it long term. What, what about just, just um, playing on that point? What about companies like big tech companies, um, like let's just use a social network, for example, they will bleed cash for a very long time. So they're not in that profitable state from the foundation, but they know that in four or five years, they will be profitable. Does that, um, I don't know where I'm going with that. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say it just to your point, they probably are not profitable off of the get-go, but they probably do have ambition to sell or exit. Yes. What is that? Is that do, do, you, do you consult them any differently? I do. I, I um, really try to put them through the drill of, are, are you actually going to be profitable or are you living off the luxury of you've gotten some funding and you're trying to create something and you believe that there's going to be that magic moment where it works. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've worked with many tech companies where the idea they went into business with never works. And so you better have a plan B and C if you want to be a long-term company so you can pivot and Mm -hmm. get to that idea that was a second or third. It it shows whether a company is agile and truly creative and truly can make a business out of something that has to shift as you learn. Um, And so, yes, I see it all the time. And I think that's why so many fail is if your main point of entry is the only one you've got, you're, you're at high risk. Totally agree. Diversification, we talk about all the time. Yeah, yeah, all the time. Um, okay, cool. So let's bring it back to the yep, interview topic. Yep. I know we kind of <laughs> dug into it, um, but it just the conversation's been going so well. Um, so, what are some common uh, efficiency and profit leaks that you guys find, specifically maybe um, on some of your clients that um, are on the lower revenue end that you work with that are just kind of more not startup phase, but kind of they're still getting started compared to probably some of the larger companies you work with that you know you can focus on. Sure. I think one of the biggest is chasing all revenues. When you're getting started, you Mm -hmm. want all money in the door. And without really cost uh, calculating client acquisition cost, is this client ever actually paying for itself once I get it in the door? Um, And also, um, what are my overall costs versus other things I could be pursuing, even if I didn't close that deal today? So Mm -hmm. lifetime value, client acquisition cost, um, just looking at what you're bringing in the door and is it actually a right fit? Um, Also, failing to differentiate. so if you've gone into a business because you're good at something, are you any different than the, everybody else doing the same thing? Because if you are, likely you can charge more for it. Um, but also your marketing efforts, everything else uh, will likely be more efficient and successful because you have something you can call out about yourself that's different. And I would say the other really is um, a lack of alignment, uh, the other's uh, lack of alignment and a lack of financial transparency, as we were talking about before, no scorecard, no plan to, to measure, manage and, and evolve. That's amazing. Yeah. I think, um, I think that speaks to a lot of, I think the mm-hmm. first, 
the first point you said was chasing all revenue. I think that's what most startups struggle with because they're just so like money hungry. And so like, just where's the money I know I need to produce, whether you have a, whether it has to do with a, an investor breathing down your throat or just like, I need to put food on the table. Mm -hmm. I need to pay myself after I pay my employees. And I think revenue, you know, really focusing on what's your niche, what can you do best at? And then just be loud about that rather than saying 15 small projects, but this is where I'd like to be, uh, I think is huge. Yeah, we definitely experienced that way early on as well we tried to go after everything and definitely makes more sense more profitable like you said client retention is huge if you can focus on that create your niche that's how you do it so i love I so love with the um with with the covid 19 the pandemic and like everything changing so mm-hmm. much with businesses in 2020 and you know it seems like we're starting to get in the right direction again but uh how what have you seen that's really changed with companies how have you seen uh you know companies needing to update whether it's like sales or marketing or like team movement or like revenue like has there any been, been any big like aha moments that you're seeing that's repetitive in companies that you're that you're trying to help with or or maybe companies are coming to you for this specific help Um, I would say, you know, from a business growth standpoint, the biggest initial shift is that companies haven't um, made the decision to get get personal. And by that, I mean um, a shift from just posting your content and the, you know, the regular marketing drill to really social selling. You're not getting those handshakes anymore. You're not going to your live networking groups. You're not reaching more people. So learning how to brand yourself and build relationships, Mm -hmm. whether it's through a blog or Instagram or LinkedIn, whatever your appropriate platform is, starting to be present and more on video and, and engaging with people uh, to make those connections. I would say the second one is um, not leveraging the time that this actually gives you. You have, you're not driving around. Um, the yeah. people you need to reach are not driving around. Your ability to essentially meet for eight or 10 or whatever you want, 50 minute sections a day, right. <laughs> if you time it that way, is so much more efficient than you had before. And you can reach people who are also not traveling. So I actually think there are some advantages, but the biggest pivots would need to be time management. I have total respect for people who are bouncing family, kids, you know, all of yeah. all of that to, to deal with. But um, from a business opportunity, there are so many verticals that actually have found advantages to, to being remote and to having that be accepted. Certainly culture, team building, building, et cetera. Um, if that's not something a company is already familiar with doing remotely, I think that's been the biggest challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Social selling hits on mm-hmm. us. We hear that all, all the time, you know, picking, picking your, picking up your game mm-hmm. when it comes to photo and video is huge because it's the only way that people are going to connect with you. A lot of times, whether, even if it's like a referral from a friend, mm-hmm. they're going to go look on your website. They're going to go look on your Instagram or Facebook or whatever it may be to see, you know, is this company actually like have a heartbeat? Yeah. Uh, do they have some authentic authenticity behind them? Some originality and yeah. Yeah. Social selling is huge. <laughs> I think in the, in the industry you're in with being outsourced, like outsourcing that right. is, you know, it's a great time I'm sure because everybody's looking, I mean, in our space alone, uh, the creative teams have been getting cut off because they can't come to a studio. They right. can't be together. So they looked outsource media and that's where we come in. I th- I'm, I'm assuming, and I'm sure it's probably a good thing for you guys as well. Right. I would imagine t- companies have to kind of lean up a little bit in terms of mm-hmm. employees and you guys have been able to fill that gap, which yeah. is pretty cool. That's very cool. Yes. We've been able to help for companies who um, needed to add staff or where there's been illness or just a need for redundancy. Um, But also the biggest obstacle we used to have was that 
you know, I, I want someone in my office. Well, now no one is in your office. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, no, yeah, that's... I know. I mean, there's so many people we've talked to that had, you know, a lot of our friends had big companies with people in them and they're mm-hmm. like, we, because of this going remote, we've exploded in growth. We've done so well because everyone's actually like not like distracted and mm-hmm. like, there's not all these other like other things going on and they're able just to focus, get their job done in less amount of time um, and enjoy life. It's exactly. Work-life balance. I think from other it really people is. as well. Is there, is there any niche in particular that's been reaching out to you during the, these, these, this last year? You see yeah. one that's kind of coming in the door more consistently. Uh, I would say certainly um, uh, tech on a, yep. uh, for sure, because right. those who can scramble, I think mm-hmm. tech is uniquely positioned to scramble both because they're more comfortable just in general in the, the environment, but, um, and because they um, often were in funding phases where if the funding was approved, you know, venture capital, early stages, that continued to be a source of money in addition to the other, you know, stimulus programs, but it kept for many a, a much more consistent stream of, of cash coming in. Um, I would say that others, you know, healthcare has been big. So physician practices trying to navigate right. um, service businesses overall. Um, but honestly, businesses who have been smart over the last several years, whether it's been real estate or hospitality, and they've said, okay, now we know we need to pivot. And before we let months go by without an answer, let's address it right now and figure out what we're going to do. Yeah, that makes sense. I think we, healthcare, obviously with mm-hmm. us, it's similar. Yep. It's like hand sanitizer brands, uh, masks, masks ton of them. scrubs. Yep. I mean, oh man, the list goes on. It does. How many photos of hand, our hands were like, uh, you know, using hand model photos for hand sanitizer. It was just like yeah, dry. Uh, well, cool, Jennifer. Yeah. Well, we appreciate your time. Is there anything else you kind of wanted to throw out there? Any other little tips or tidbits or anything you want to leave the, the, the listeners with? You know, I think the biggest tip I would share for right now is that this year is going to be um, such, it, it was difficult to move everybody home and to deal with the, the um, right. panic and, and emergency of last year. This year, we have the foresight to know that this is going to be a hybrid year. People right. are going to be able to figure out remote versus off. It's, it's foreseen, relatively speaking, what we're going to deal with. So those who do plan right now for the months ahead and who do focus on best practices are going to have a huge leg up over those who continue you to ride it out i 100 agree with you. i i totally agree accept it and then uh, accept it and move, plan on. And move on yeah. yeah well cool jennifer where can people find you if they want to reach out and get more information about Citrin cooperman uh well certainly citrincooperman.com or on linkedin um i'm under gencat with a k-a-t and so excited to connect and and always look forward to exchanging messages Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer. We appreciate your time. Super insightful conversation for us ourselves. I, I, you know, I don't mean to be <laughs> being the sponge here, but you, yeah. you definitely, it's, we have some really good takeaways and I know our listeners are really going to. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for thank being you so on much. and hopefully we can have another episode down the road. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Have a good one. You See too. You